message is practice. Practice. And as we get into this message this morning, we're in a series called Identity. As we started out this year, we did a series called Home, and we found out in the Home series that home is where the presence of the Father is, and you've been born again, and now you are a son in the Father's house. And he said, son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. Amen. Come on. And so now if you're in the Father's house in the home series and we realize that our new home is in over here in sonship with the Father and we're in his presence all the time, we must find out what his presence is like. And we wanted to get very familiar with the culture of heaven. So we did a series called Abide and it was called uh, Getting Acquainted with the Culture of Heaven. Matthew 6.10 says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But because we don't really understand kingdom, we understand the word culture better. We just change the wording a little bit. It says, Father, your culture Come, your culture be done in our culture as it is in your culture. And so we wanted to get very familiar with the culture of heaven in the Abide series. And in the culture of heaven, we found out what things were happening in heaven. And it's our job as they're happening in heaven, as we're God's vessel in the earth, that we bring the culture of heaven to earth. So much so that if God visits this place here at TWBC, it's so much like his culture here, it mirrors his culture there, that he's just his home here as he is up there. Okay, so that was our objective. And we're creating that culture here at TWBC. Now, you don't create a culture in a day. You don't create a culture in a month. You don't create a culture in a year. You don't create a culture in 10 years. You create a culture in about 20 years. You can find out what your culture truly is. And so we want to create a culture that, that embraces all of what heaven has to offer and bring it here to this earth because that's what Jesus said in Matthew 6.10. And in that, we went on a pursuit, the quest for his glory because where his culture shows up, where his presence is, his glory is going to be made manifest to do two things. What's going to happen is he says in Isaiah 61 verse 4, part B, he says, I'm doing this and my glory is going to show up for this reason, to redeem or make new the ruined cities, to redeem or make new the devastation of generations. And so that's the purpose of his glory. The result of his glory, though, is you look like him. And so we went on a quest today that will transform our tomorrow. And so I want you to be on a quest today to get the presence of God, the glory of God, that's going to transform the way you live tomorrow. Well, it's going to transform the way you live when you walk out of here. And so we're on a quest for his glory. And now that we realize this, the outcome or the result of his glory showing up is we look like him, we got to find out what he looks like. <laughs> So now we're in a series called Identity, identifying what the Father looks like. And his identity is our identity. And so if we are the image of the Father, we're the Father's reflection in this earth. And so we must get the true identity of who the Father is. And so that's why we're in this series of identity. And we know out of Exodus 34, 29, when Moses came off the mountain, the Bible says he was showing or radiating with the glory of God. And as he was radiating with the glory of God, all the people said, Moses, you need to cover yourself because the glory of God is on you so much. It's changed who you are. <laughs> you resemble him more than you resemble you. Amen. Come on now. now. Now what frustrates me about that is that happened to an Old Testament man in a different covenant that had limitations. And we're a New Testament person in a covenant with low, no limitations because they said, I give you the spirit without measure. So I'm telling you, we ought to, when we walk into Sulphur Springs, people ought to say, you look a lot like the glory of God. Come on now. And that comes from spending time with the Father. And so as Moses was shining with the glory of God, we realized this, that as Jesus came to this earth, he came to reconcile all things to himself. Not just reconcile all things together, reconcile all things to himself. And so what that means is if you have a bank and a bank statement and the bank says you have this much in the account, and you say you have this much in the account, and they differ, you've got to reconcile yourself to the standard. 
and your account needs to start looking like what the bank says you have. Jesus did the same thing. He didn't come to reconcile things together. He came to reconcile everything to him, to make things look like him, to have the kingdom culture begin to manifest and be him here in this earth. And so as we're in this series of identity, the first point this morning I want to talk to you about is that Jesus is perfect, is the, is the definition that we've talked about. And we talked about this last week, but the issue we came up with is this is a very unclear definition. And, it's, and if we say that Jesus is perfect, it's, it, it, that seems pretty clear. But just as we've, we've stated, Jesus is the standard, not perfect. And so if we say Jesus is perfect, that means Jesus is trying to live to the standard of perfect. But Jesus isn't trying to live up to perfect. Jesus is greater than perfect. Perfect is the only word in the English language that we have that can adequately describe who Jesus is. And if you want to know the truth of the matter, Jesus is not trying to be perfect. Perfect is trying to be like Jesus. Okay? So if you're going to be like Jesus, you need to practice perfect. Perfect is running after Jesus. Perfect is trying to say, how can I live up to the standard of Jesus? Because Jesus is the standard. Jesus is God himself in the flesh. And so if Jesus is God himself in the flesh and he is the standard, that means he's reconciling everything to him, bringing everything in line to him so everything begins to look like him and his kingdom and his culture that he has. And so in this, we got to begin to understand that Jesus is reconciling all things to himself. And so if perfect is running after perfect is running after Jesus and trying to be like him. The question I have for you this morning is is that even possible? The term perfect. Is that even possible? Well, if that's impossible, why did Jesus say this in Matthew 5:48? Be perfect. Be perfect. As your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, you can't argue with it. Jesus said it. I mean, anybody else who could have said it, we can, we can kind of rationalize it. Theologically, we can try to explain it away. Jesus said it. It's in red letters. Okay? You know, Jesus wrote the Bible in red. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Jesus said, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And as we begin to think about that, Jesus being the standard... And he said, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And we've talked about perfect is running after Jesus, trying to become like Jesus. Perfect is chasing after the heart of your Savior. And so we got to begin to get this transition that perfect isn't necessarily a person anymore. Perfect is a practice. It's an attitude. It's a heart step. It's a step of faith that you're walking into. So... What is going to get us there? What is going to get us to this reconciliation, this thing? What is going to get us to this point where we, Jesus said, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect? What's going to get us there? I'll tell you the only answer is this, a flat-out miracle. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Guess what? The miracle already took place. 2,000 years ago on the cross of Calvary, Jesus shed his blood for you. He said in the Bible right here, Colossians 1, 15 through 20, reconciling all things to himself. He didn't say trying to reconcile. He said, and by his shed blood, he reconciled all things to himself. So your miracle's already happened. Come on now. Your miracle's already there. Your miracle has already been fulfilled. So what's going to get you there is a miracle, and Jesus already did the miracle. And so now if the miracle's already there and Jesus already did it, and you're still not reconciled to, what's it going to take on your part? To get us to this place of him, it's going to take us practicing Jesus. It's going to take us practicing Jesus. Now let's talk about this word practice just for a minute. 
We can always go to the great famous Allen Iverson quote. When he, was in a, when he was interviewed for something and they had a devastating loss and the coach said, well, he missed practice. And Allen Iverson said, there, practice? It's just practice. Is it just practice? And in this thing, this term called practice, 1 John chapter 3, verses 9 and 10 says this. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. Come on now. There's practicing in the Bible. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in you. And he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. So the Bible just said here that if you're born again, you cannot make a practice of sinning because God's seed lives within you. And in fact, it's impossible for you to keep sinning. See, your miracles already happened. Come on now. So this thing of practice, we need to start paying attention to. By this, it is evident who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Whoever does not practice, everybody say practice. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. So if it says whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, we can safely say whoever does practice righteousness is of God. Can we say that? Now, now this is a different statement then, because sometimes you can make a statement saying, well, it's not cold. You can say like this morning, it's cold outside. But just because you said it's cold outside, you can't automatically say it's not hot outside, because it could just be warm. It could be a moderate temperature. But this is a little bit different one, where here it says, if you make a practice of not doing what is righteous, you're a son of the devil. If you make a practice of doing what is righteous, you're a son of God. That is the, the exact opposite. You can make that statement there as we move forward. And 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he made him to, be, him to be sin who knew no sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God. Notice it said might become. That has always puzzled me. That it said we might become the righteousness of God. Now don't, don't lose where we're at. We're on this term called practice. So what is Practice. Let's define this out. Practice is this. It is the actual application or use of an idea, method, or belief. It's the actual application of it. And so if you believe that, that, that you are a... Since soccer season started yesterday, I've had to repent. But since soccer... Coach Slade, man, we should have had altar time today, buddy. Since soccer season started yesterday, the team I coach has been practicing... For several weeks leading up to yesterday, and practice is this. It is the actual application or use of an idea, a method, or a belief. Now, the goal of practice is this. To deepen and build memories and thought patterns in the brain, body muscles, and or godly spiritual strongholds in your spirit man. So, practice is the actual application of what you believe. Some of you say, I believe in tithing, but you don't practice. <laughs> ha, 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 you can laugh at that. It's funny. Some of you say, I believe in prayer, but you never pray. Some of you say, I believe in healing, but you're always sick. There, could there be an issue in our lives of this? We believe it because of what Jesus did, but there's another side of it 
that Jesus did his part. Now we got to practice being Jesus and doing our part. So in your life this morning, you got to get to this point of understanding that if you say you believe it and you believe in practice, it's the actual putting into place of what you believe, a method, or an idea. And I don't like this term that the medical uh, department uses. Like the, the doctors are practicing physicians. I don't want them to practice on me. I want them to be real on me. Amen. I don't want them to practice. Uh, amen. I want the best. Amen. So that's why I go to Dr. Jesus and let him take care of the issues. Come on now. He's not practicing anymore. He's got it done. He's figured it out. So if practice is the application or use of an idea, the goal of practice is to deepen and build memories and thought patterns in the brain, body muscles, and put godly spiritual strongholds in your spirit, man. Physical practice is this. Whatever you physically do is a practice. Whatever you physically do on a daily basis is a practice. You can do CrossFit or you can do couch fit. What you want. Come on. Some of your couches are in great shape. Because couch fit is amazing. Now, come on. There ain't nothing wrong. I'm not dogging anybody. I'm just saying, your, your daily lifestyle habits, you're putting something into practice. When you drive to work, you're practicing driving. Some of us need more practice. I'm talking about me. Whenever you go to work, you're practicing your profession. So everything you do on a daily basis is physical practice of some kind. Because you do it over and over and over, and you're building muscle memories, you're building memories in your, you're building thought processes in, you're building something in this thing. So your physical body is doing practice every day. Now in the soul, the area of the mind, the will, and the emotions, whatever you think on, look at, and make decisions to do is practice. That's why you need to be careful what you look at. I'm going deep into that next week, okay? You need to be careful what you look at because you become what like you look at the most. I'm telling you, you become what you look, you become like what you look at the most. And there's a reason a lot of us aren't looking like Jesus so much. It's because the Bible says, fix your eyes on Jesus. We got them fixed on our problems. We got them fixed on our marriage issues. We got them fixed on our kids. We got them fixed on our soccer games. We got them fixed on our hobbies. We got them fixed on everything but Jesus. So we're looking like a lot of different things. But he said, I came to reconcile all things to myself and make you look like me. But to do that, we got to get our eyes fixed on the reconciliator. Come on. And let him bring us to a point where we begin to look like him. On the soccer field. At the workplace. At the... See, there's nothing wrong with all these things you're doing. You just got to look like him when you're doing them. I hadn't got there, okay? I'm practicing. I'm practicing. And then spiritually, practice. Practice righteousness. Now, we just read, whoever does not practice righteousness. So if there is a does not practice righteousness, that means there is a does practice righteousness. Come on, somebody needs to write that down. If there is a does not practice righteousness, then there is a does practice righteousness. And so spiritually, as you're practicing righteousness... We are righteous because of what Christ did on the cross, but we must practice what he paid for us to have. <laughs> We're righteous because of what Christ did on the cross, but we must practice what he paid for us to have. What am I talking about? He paid for us, Damon, in this earth to walk in authority. We must practice walking in authority. Come on now. Whenever you are struggling with something, for example right now, this house remodel thing, don't ever do it. I'm just telling you, don't ever do it. 
buy one pre-built and just move in and be happy. I'm just telling you. But through this, I've had to practice something. I've had to practice controlling my mind and my conversations in my mind with myself about people that I want to have that I can't have. Come on. Andy Krause, give me a high five, baby. You just moved into a new house. Come on. He just moved in. He understands. And so I have to practice taking authority over my thought life. Come on now. Because there's a time when I didn't have good practice at it and it didn't work out so well. So I've had to practice taking authority over my thought life. And so what Jesus did on the cross for us gave us righteousness. Now we need to put into practice what he died for us to have. We must begin to practice these things. Well, I laid my hands on somebody, Pastor, and they didn't get healed. Keep practicing. I mean, try it again. What's it going to hurt? I mean, don't look at yourself like you're at fault. Just, just keep praying. Practice your prayer life. Practice your laying on of hands. Practice being happy. Come on. Happiest people in the world should be Christians. I'm telling you. Practice being happy. Life ain't that bad. Your life is okay. If you live in America, you're in the top 10% richest people in the world. It ain't that bad. So smile and be glad. And whenever, whenever, you're, whenever you're feeling weak in your strength, you need to get happy because it says the joy of the Lord is your strength. And when you're happy, he's happy. And so when he's happy, you get strength. So practice being happy. Even in bad times, in all things give thanks, not for the things, but in them. Thank you, God, that this process is almost done. <laughs> Come on now. Practice things. You've got to begin to practice doing righteousness. What is righteousness? It's the righteous works that Jesus Christ did to get you to a place where you can be born again because of what he did on the cross. You've got to practice doing righteous works in your life. It doesn't come natural because that's why you had to be born again. You were born into the sin nature. And so for you to have just wake up and say, oh, I'm going to be righteous today, it doesn't happen. you got to practice it. And when you wake up and you don't feel anointed, you got to say to yourself, I'm anointed whether I feel it or not because of what Jesus did for me. I mean, you got to practice these things. Now, you can wake up in the morning and not feel anointed and not work in anointing all day long. But you can wake up in the morning and not feel anointed but make a decision that I'm going to practice walking in the anointing today. And let faith lead me, not feelings lead me. Come on, that'll change your world. And you know, if you'll start changing your world, somebody else's world will change. And so we got to begin to practice these things. We got to begin to do these things in a supernatural way. And so I got over here something that I don't use very often. It's my golf clubs. And in this... I go golfing probably twice a year. I still love them, still love the golf game. But in every golf game, I have at least one, what I would consider, legit golf shot. Okay, one, just one. And it keeps me coming back again and again and again. I have at least one legit golf shot. Now, what does that mean? I get some lucky shots where I line up like I would every time. Think where it's gonna, and I just crank it, and it goes where it's supposed to go. That's a luck shot. A legit golf shot is this. 
You know you got the right club for the right distance you are from the hole where you're trying to hit it to. So you know you got the right club, so you got knowledge about what you're doing. You get up there, you know you're in the right stance, you know how hard you need to swing. You keep your eye on it. Come on, Joel, keep your head down. This is what they tell me all the time when I'm playing. Keep your head down, and, and, and when you step back and you begin to swing, and you go through, and it lands right where you want it to land, preferably real close to that hole. <laughs> that is a legit golf shot. You knew what you needed to do. You walked it out through practice, and you swung right. You followed through right. You looked, kept your head down until the ball went through, and then you saw where the ball landed, and you were able to go get it because it actually landed on a nice short grass. Come on now. Not, not where mine usually land in sand or water or tall grass where I need a lawnmower. And you practice. And so every time I play golf, I usually get one legit golf shot. Now, why do I say all that? Because I play twice a year. I cannot expect to be good at golf. I cannot expect to be good at that game. Why? Because I don't go practice. I cannot physically walk out there and say, Joel, I want you to shoot an even par today. That means it, even par means you hit it the whole course in exactly as many strokes as you need to. If you're below par, that means you did better than you were supposed to. I know golf kind of sounds backwards. but So I cannot expect in my life to be great at this game of golf that I play twice a year and never practice at. You cannot expect to be great and look like Jesus at one Sunday morning service a month and no prayer time, no Bible time, no getting in the spirit time, no self-evaluation time, no looking at yourself and critiquing yourself time, no looking at Jesus keeping your eyes fixed on the author and the finisher and the perfecter of your faith time. See, if you don't practice it, you're not going to look like him. And so Joel, when his one legit golf shot, woohoo, out of the 96 that I swing, okay, 96 times I get one, equate that to your spiritual life, out of the 96 times you pray, one gets answered. Why? It's called practice. It's called practice. Putting it into practice. Now, as we go to the final point here this morning, practice perfect, which is Jesus. Practice perfect, which is Jesus. Now, now, I want you to hear this quote that I'm about to say. Do not practice until you get it right. Practice until you cannot get it wrong. Do not practice until you get it right. Practice until you cannot get it wrong. Let that thing, some of y'all are thinking, well, I just, if I practice enough, I'll get it right. No, practice enough till you can't get it wrong. Practice enough that, that, that wrong is noticeable and right is not. Practice so much that not that you get it right one time, that you don't get it wrong anymore. Don't practice till you get it right. Practice till you can't get it wrong. L listen, I don't want the bank to practice counting my money till they get it right. I want them to never get it wrong. Unless it's in my favor. Come on now. Thank you, Jesus. No, but then it's stealing somebody else's money. So I don't want the bank to practice until they get it right. 
I want them to practice so much they can't get it wrong. I don't want a heart surgeon to practice until they get it right. I want them to practice so much they don't get it wrong and let me be not the one you're practicing on. So in your life, we got to begin to practice perfect. In your life with Jesus, don't practice until you get living like Jesus right. Practice Jesus until there's no other way to live. Somebody's got to let that get to them. Don't practice living like Jesus until you get it right. Practice living like Jesus until there's no other way to live. Then when you see the hurt, the broke, the lost, the dying, your heart is moved by compassion for them, and you make a difference in somebody's life. Don't practice till you get it right and do it one time. Celebrate the one time you heard his voice, but remember what that voice sounded like and begin to practice, practice, practice on that voice over and over. Don't practice till you get it right. Practice till you can't get it wrong. Practice till you get to a point in your life that, that you get to a lifestyle of it, and you do it. Now, I want to talk to you real quick, and i gotta, I got to close here pretty quick. We always use the term, practice makes what? Perfect. Or does it? Does practice really make perfect? Because i got an issue if practice makes perfect. If practice makes perfect, that means Joel can get up here with a bad form, bad swing, bad set of golf clubs, bad everything, and if I just swing it over and over and over, doing wrong what I've always done wrong, eventually I'll get it right. That is completely wrong. That will not happen. You can't continue to sin, continue to sin, continue to sin, continue to sin, and just practice sinning and end up being perfect one day. Uh, really? I mean, if you play football, you can't run out there with bad form, run bad routes, and, and blame the quarterback all the time. It, you can't go out there on a soccer field and, and, and run the wrong direction and score in the wrong goal and win the game. You cannot practice wrong and expect to get it right. Come on, thank you, Jesus. So does practice make perfect or does it? We've got to come to the understanding that practice doesn't make perfect. But perfect practice makes perfect. Vince Lombardi said it best. Perfect practice makes perfect. What does that mean in Joel's life in his golf game? It means Joel needs to get somebody in his life who will make him go practice. Who will get out there and watch his ugliness for a long period of time. And begin slowly and methodically over time make changes in his golf game that will, he will begin to practice differently and practice in a right way and change his bents or whatever you want to call them in life, change his issues in life until they begin to line up and look like Jesus over and over. He needs to begin to tell me what to change methodically and in a way where I'll begin to see a difference in my overall stature, my overall swing, my overall everything. And so then when I begin to line up, I've done it right so many times I can't get it wrong. You need a coach in your life. You need a mentor in your life. You need a spiritual person in your life who's going to not just watch you practice, but help you practice perfect. You need somebody in your life who's going to look at your ugliness. <laughs> Come on. But not see what's ugly. Say, oh, but it, we can just do this and this and this and this. And he begins to look a lot like Jesus real quick. The best thing is, the uglier it is, the easier it is to fix. Come on. 
the uglier it is, the easier it is to fix. I'll never forget when I worked at Brookshire's and I was an assistant store manager there. Everybody always was freaking out when at the end of the night and we counted all the money and the, the, re, the, the statement or the, the computer said we should have this, but all the money that we just counted said we had this and they didn't reconcile so we had to go back and find what was missing to make it look like what it was supposed to be. Come on. And everybody was freaking out when we were missing $2,000. <laughs> I wasn't. I would love to be missing $2,000 because a big amount is easy to find. It's when you're missing $5.38. And did you miscount the pennies? Because when you're missing $2,000, you didn't miscount pennies. You miscounted Benjamins. Come on now. You miscounted a whole stack of them, by the way, because they come in $2,000 stacks. And so a bigger problem that you have doesn't mean you're farther away and it's going to be farther to fix. In fact, the bigger mess up that you're in right now, the easier fix it is because you have no, no reason to depend on anything else other than the Lord Jesus Christ because he's the only one who can make you reconcile with himself. The problem comes and we've been raised in church all our lives. And we think we're not that bad. That means you're not that good. And because we think we're not that bad, we think we don't need that much of Jesus when actually you need just as much of Jesus as the man who's really messed up. Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. One sin is just as bad as 10 million sins because it separated you from the Father. So just because you're not that bad means you're not that good either. So this morning, in this message, if we're going to identify with the Father and begin to look like the Son, Jesus Christ, who is the image of the invisible God. He was God in the flesh, in the purest form. In this moment, in this time, right here in this sanctuary, I need you to quit practicing how you've been practicing your Christian walk. I don't want you to get up and come to church next Sunday with the same mentality you got up and came to church with this Sunday. I need you to practice waking up different tomorrow. Practice waking up on purpose, not because an alarm woke you up. Come on now. Some of y'all hate Mondays. It's because you wake up with no purpose. Find a purpose to wake up. Because you've been practicing waking up for 45 years and you're still miserable. 45 years of practice still got you miserable. It didn't get you happy. So you need to find a purpose to wake up for. And you need to practice waking up on purpose with a purpose for your life so that you can be a life that exemplifies Jesus Christ. But you've been practicing wrong. When you come to church... On Wednesday night, when you go to base groups tonight, I don't want you to go in there like you came in this morning. Because the temperature is going to be about 30 degrees warmer. It ain't going to be the cool 65 degrees that you woke up to today when you walk into base group tonight. So you got to find a different way to walk in. Practice different. Walk in different. And don't practice till you get it right and have one good Sunday where God speaks to you. Practice so much that you can't get it wrong on a Sunday. Don't practice working on Monday and Tuesday just till you get a good Monday once in a while. Practice so much that Mondays are great. They're the greatest day of the week. Don't practice till you get it right. Practice till you can't get it wrong. And to practice till you can't get it wrong, it's perfect practice. Because perfect is always running after the standard of Jesus. So if we're practicing perfect, we're practicing running after Jesus the author and the finisher and the perfecter of our faith. 